ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email. The address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Uh, I'm joined in the studio today by Cameo Anders. Hi, Cameo. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Happy again. to have you. Happy to have you back. Um, so it'd been three plus years before last week since I had Cameo on and finally got her back on. She's originally from West River, so it takes her a while to, <laughs> to get here. I know. Bad, bad, bad South Dakota joke. Um, We'll introduce each other in a little bit in case you've never listened to Ignition before. But we're continuing a discussion that we started last week in episode 386 on St. John Paul II's document, Fides et Ratio, is the Latin title. It's Faith and Reason. Um, it's a beautiful document, a philosophical document, a challenging document, but like most things that are challenging, it's worth the, the effort to understand um, on the relationship between faith and reason. And today we're going to be continuing our discussion, and particularly we're going to look at the relationship sort of within that overall framework of the relationship between faith and reason, we're going to focus on the relationship between truth and freedom and how if we really want to experience that, that deepest sense of freedom, we need to embrace what is true. So we'll get into that and more uh, in this episode of Ignition. Again, if you haven't tuned in before, though, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, I've been in that role since 2002. Since 1999, I've been in the role of husband. Uh, Jermaine and I have been married for 20 plus years, and we all have we have five kids, all of them born and raised in, again, East River, South Dakota. Cameo, who are you? I, I'm sensing some hostility from over there. I'm trying to, like, I'm just trying to figure out this whole, you know, well, I have sort of figured it out. Uh, they're really, I think, Camilo, to, to be honest, um, people who aren't originally from South Dakota, I think, aren't aware that there is a, a bit of a, a bit of a cultural difference between, because you're, you're originally from West River, by which, so non-South Dakotans who might be tuning in, the Missouri River sort of bisects South Dakota, and West River is west of the Missouri, East River is east of the Missouri. But you're from West River, but you've been living in East River for a long time. Isn't there a bit it, of a difference? So, you know, when I lived West River, <clears throat> I didn't sense so much of a focus on a difference. And I've probably even said before, like, yeah, I've heard this talk about a difference, but I don't really get it. But having lived here... Um, as I talk to more people, they're like, oh, you're a West Riverer. I think that's a word. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but I guess I, I think I'm a bi river now. <laughs> Can I be like, you know, bipartisan? Can I be but, bi river? <laughs> you, you straddle both sides of the river. Is that what you're telling me? Because really, you know, you don't see a big difference. <laughs> well, I, I do see a difference in, you know, so my husband is from ranch country. And there is a, you know, like a hardcore rough edge to, uh, I mean, edge isn't the right word, but. Uh, um, I'm going to quote him. To, are you, when I see him next time, Cameo <laughs> says you have a hard edge. No, that's the wrong word. A hardcoreness <laughs> to okay. them where, you know, I mean, they're going to go out and gather up their cows yep. in a snowstorm. Yep. Whereas me here in East River, 
I'm probably going to, um, you know, go to Walmart and grab some hot chocolate and a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> but but aren't you, did you grow up West River? And I did. I did grow up West River. And I I like it. There, You know, there's the Black Hills. There's um, a sense of adventure that just sort of lives in the air there. Okay. Uh, here, I think there's more like an intellectual air. You know, we have um, a lot more of the... the larger companies. Um, sure. You know, I'm a lawyer. There's a, probably a lot more lawyers and doctors and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know that Plato said that uh, the sign of a lit, this is, it's in the Republic. That's okay. true. Uh, and, and you have a degree in political philosophy, so you should know where I'm going. Um, Plato said that, um, uh, yeah, I sh- I, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically a sure sign of the decline of a society is the growth in the number of lawyers and what was the other one you just mentioned? I doctors, doctors, but doctors and lawyers. The more doctors and lawyers, the more you know. Oh, we're on the way down. Right. So I'm just saying. Didn't he also rip on theologians though? So if I'm in the same category as theologians, I'm okay with that. I, I, you get to, you get to cite that for me. I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. So uh, enough about East River, Mister. Who, who else are you? Tell us more about yourself. Okay. Um, what, are they, what are they talking about? I'm mom of four kids. That's probably the bulk of, um, you know, my efforts go there. I'm also an attorney. I practice here in South Dakota in the area of business, real estate, wills and trusts. As I said last time, you know, my passion is in the bioethics, um, law and ethics. Who knew those went together? Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, your joke, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Well, and Plato might disagree with that, um, you know, based on what you just said. Um, yeah, I have a master's in theology um, and a certificate in bioethics. So master's from Holy Apostles College and Seminary with a, that certificate from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, that was a fun journey in education that I recently took. Um, my husband, yeah, wonderful East or East River now, formerly West River rancher. Um, but yeah, we live here in Sioux Falls and have enjoyed this side of the state. <laughs> we enjoyed it here. It's like you're visiting. Um, if you ever find yourself in Eastern, you haven't done this either episode. I'm, uh, kudos to you, I think, but I'm going to. Um, if you ever find yourself in Eastern Sioux Falls, um, make sure to get to East 10th Street. Um, do a internet search on your, your map app when you're not driving for Cappuccino Cabin, which is where you'll find Cameo's husband, Jay. Um, some of, if not the best, coffee. And he's not paying me for this. Um, some of the best, if not the best, coffee in in Sioux Falls. So yeah, really good coffee. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I. to be honest... I didn't mention him because usually if I say, oh, I'm, you know, Jay, the coffee guy's wife, then they just completely forget who I am. And they're like, oh, he's so wonderful. And there's a lot of pressure on me to be as wonderful as he is. As wonderful as Jay. There we go. There we go. Well, enough about Jay then. (laughs) Focus on me. All right. All right. So actually we're going to focus on John Paul II and his document, Faith and Reason. So last week, if if you were able to listen to episode 386, first of all, we'll encourage you when you're able to go back and into the archives and listen to episode 386. Um, The way this is, this is a beautiful document, but it's, it's not short. It's not like four pages long. Um, So kind of cameo, the way that you proposed we get into this is by looking at three different pairs of terms of concepts, of ideas, of realities. So we started with grace perfecting nature, mm-hmm. and we started, and then we talked about faith perfecting reason. Um, and I don't want to really spend too much re- time recapping those 
I want to sort of pick up a little bit where we left off with faith and reason before we get into what we're going to talk about today, truth and freedom. One of the key concepts with faith and reason is truth. So um, we know certain things are true because um, we trust God and he's revealed them. And that corresponds to what we know through our human intellect, through our reason. Mm. What else do you want to say about truth? Um, You know, I think in today's day and age, it's not a popular um, thing to adhere to. Um, There's a lot of idea that, you know, truth is relative. My truth is different than your truth. And there's there's some truth to that. Um, But there is also, um, you know, if if I reach over and and punch you in the face, I can't say, well, that's your truth that you think that that's wrong. And it's my truth that I think that it's right. right, You know, so. Um, so I think there's some general principles that say, you know, reason is going to seek out truth. And, and we do that. Like if we just look at our lives and everything we do, we seek out the truth. Once we find that something is not true, we don't adhere to it. You know, oh, well, that's a lie. Well, that's all right. Let's embrace it anyway. Like, do you have an example that comes to mind by chance? Um, you know, if I, uh, small example is if I'm trying to, you know, figure out who made a mess all over the floor, you <laughs> sure. know, and I'm going to seek that until I find the truth. And there's going to be an unsettling until I realize that, you know, oh, it was my son who just cleaned off his soccer cleats in the middle of the kitchen, you know. Um, and if I... If I instead blame my daughter, like, oh, it must have been you, and she's like, no, I didn't do it, I'm not going to be settled until I find, you know, the truth of it. And that's a small everyday thing, but in the same sense, think of our professions. You know, with law, I'm going to look for, you know, the truth in the evidence, and until I reach that, I won't be settled. Or Mm -hmm. even in the law itself, the law continuously strives for, you know, like a, a... a truth of who we are as humans, um, in, or in theology or in science, you know, science is a perfect example. Like we continuously do research to seek the truth of, you know, the physical realities around us. If, if science contradicts something previous, then we adhere to the, the new truth. You know, truth is continuously evolving, but in a growth towards something. So, um, yeah, so it's a process. It's a, it's ambiguous sometimes, but it's not non-existent. How would you, to quote Pilate, who you know typically isn't the kind of person we'd want to quote, what is truth? Right. How would you answer that? <laughs> um, well, I would say that Christ didn't answer that. Oh, so you're so just I'm like, not going Jesus. to. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Can I Can try I then? That? I'm going to, I'll let you do it. No, okay. Um, let me okay. try. No, 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 no. no. Right, let, me, let me rephrase it. Let me phrase it in, a, in another way. What does it mean to say that something is true? Yeah. So I, I think that there are a lot of truths with a small T and, you know, there's going to be a truth for me. I like last episode, I talked about brownies, you know, I like chocolate. That yep. might not be a truth for you. And so there's those subjective truths um, that point to a reality that is knowable. Um, so maybe it's just a reality knowable by me. But then there are objective realities that are knowable. And and once we know, once we have knowledge of that reality, then we, we've participated a little bit in the reality. And so I think truth is a a participation 
in the reality of something. So to say um, X is true means that X, the statement X, describes the way things really are. So for yeah. instance, there there's a, there's a pen that I'm holding right now, right mm-hmm. literally right now, and if I were to say this pen is black or the most of it is black, that's true. It is true. To say that it's true is that corresponds to the nature of the way this pen actually is. Um, if I said this pen is 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 uh, neon pink, that would be false because right. it does not correspond. My assertion, this pen is neon pink, doesn't actually correspond to the way that this pen, the way reality actually is. Yeah, and and the relativistic philosophies that sort of permeates our day would say, well, there is no objective truth because I could say that that pen is black and blue and white. And so your truth, that pen is black, really contradicts my truth. And so really truth is just subjective. Right. But, you know, John Paul II in this encyclical elsewhere, but really the church itself, and even before, you know, the ancient Greek philosophers, so you mentioned Plato earlier, would say, well, truth does exist because there's this principle that the pen can't be black and not black at right. the same time. Right. So only one of those can right. be true. The, the principle of non-contradiction. Yes. yes. Good job. You. you know, so there's there are these like objective, identifiable realities that exist. The question is not, do they exist? The question is more, can our reason comprehend them? Right, and so that's what the ambiguity, I mean, reality is the way it is. My my comprehension of reality might be more or less accurate. Yeah. You know, um, maybe there'd be a more precise way. So, so there are elements of of blue and white in this pen. So, if I said it's it's black, that's true. But if I were to say it's black with some white and blue, that's truer. Yes. Right. So, Correct. so uh, going back to what you're saying earlier, we can increase our accuracy about the nature of reality. My my yeah. statements can become increasingly truer the more I understand uh, the particular piece of reality that I'm. Focusing at the time, focusing on at the time. Yeah, and, and I think this is a, a concept that isn't new, you know, to John Paul II. Um, but it's a concept that either can take, I guess, a couple different versions of it. If if we look at truth as something that exists objectively, a reality that objects uh, exists, and and we try to grasp it with our reason, you know, there is there is a solid, concrete object that we are trying to understand. Right. Whereas if we take like a Kant, Kantian approach. Um, Kant you know, is a 18th century German philosopher, Immanuel Kant. Thank you. Yes. Yep. And, you know, he'll use this language like, you know, we cast a web of our own reality onto those objects. And so really the um, solid concreteness lies subjectively. Um, and, and that's a a completely different perspective, and right. that's going to influence how you see truth. Right. And so the Catholic perspective and this encyclical says, no, there's these objective realities out there that exist, and we, with our human reason, try to understand them. So regardless of whether that pen is you know, black or blue or, or how we see it, it has an objective reality in right, itself. Right. And, you know, we, we know that, let's just, when you took it, if you're, if we remember back to when you were a student, you took tests. And if you got something wrong, we didn't go up to our teachers and say, 
Well, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Teacher, um, this answer, it, it was true for me, so really I got 100%. No, we got it wrong because our, our assertion, the, the answer we gave, did not correspond to reality. And so far as presuming the, the the teacher's answer key is is accurate, when we say something false, we're saying something's not. We've said something that's not actually the way things are, mm-hmm. and and we know that in common everyday ordinary interactions, uh, as simple as a t- test that we took as a second grader, we know that truth is something that objectively is out there, just like the X Files said it was. <laughs> Okay, anyway, all right. If you're just tuning in, this is Ignition, a broadcast from the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today with Cameo Anders about truth, faith, and reason um, flowing from St. John Paul II's uh, teaching document, the encyclical letter, Fides et Ratio, which is Latin for faith and reason. Okay, so with that sort of background, Cameo, we've got 11 minutes left in this episode to talk about how truth and freedom are this final pair that we're going to discuss. Okay. Yeah, so you said something about, you know, your second grade test, and I think that that's accurate. You know, okay, we just studied spelling words, now there is a true way to write this word. But there is sort of this idea that, well, maybe I am from, um, you know, Mexico, and so the way that I'm going to spell uh, mama is with one M instead of two, you know. And um, so just to clarify, you know, part of, who I am is I speak Spanish. So there's some very distinct spelling differences and you can all, you can identify sometimes a language by the spelling differences. So that kind of becomes who that person is. Um, There, there are like cultural truths that shouldn't contradict each other, but should complement. And so even though those differences exist, there is still something that we seek that is, objective. It's outside of ourselves. So even despite our cultural differences or our religious differences or whatever it might be, we're still seeking something. And I just wanted to read quickly this portion from Fides et Ratio. Um, What what paragraph is it? So we are in paragraph five um, and it's kind of second. uh, Well, so number five, I want to say the second paragraph. Um, I just have a portion of it, but yep. So if reason, if our human reason, which we talked about before, doesn't seek that outside objective truth, but it just remains sort of uh, shackled by what it knows internally, it Mm -hmm. just looks to itself, then it says that reason, um, rather than voicing the human orientation towards truth, towards that objective truth, Mm has wilted under the weight of so much knowledge Mm. and little by little has lost the capacity to lift its gaze to the heights, not daring to rise to the truth of being. Mm. So if we just pick that apart a little bit, like reason, if it doesn't gaze towards the heights, if it, if it doesn't look to something objective and beyond itself and ultimately look to God, right. then it sort of wilts under all of this different knowledge that different cultures, different religions, different perspectives can say, well, this is you know, what I think, this is what I see, this is what I found, this is what I researched. If it's not all moving towards a direction, towards something, then it just sort of wilts yeah. and becomes stagnant. Yeah. So human reason has to rise above itself 
And it's only really free when it's able to lift its gaze. Um, you know, if I give you a choice, A or B, well, you have the freedom to choose. What are you going to do? Pick A or B for me. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a little bit more about them? Right. You want a little more knowledge, right? So that you're... This is like what's behind the door. <laughs> yeah. Like what? I want to know what's behind the door. All right. Go, all right. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no. So that's the perfect example. You know, we want knowledge about the choice yeah. Because if we don't have knowledge and if our knowledge isn't accurate, then we don't have the freedom to choose. So with that, with, you know, this whole encyclical, when we, when we say truth perfects freedom, because freedom is really enslaved unless it has the truth of what it's rising towards. Okay. Say, say that, say that once more. Freedom is really enslaved. Truth, freedom, freedom. Okay. okay. Go um, yep. 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 Should I start over? I yes. don't know what I said. I don't know what you said either. <laughs> we can't rewind the tape either because it's taping. Okay, be... I'll try to say it again. So okay. if in the way that truth perfects freedom, if yep. we, you know, if we think about the freedom to make a choice, it's not going to be a free choice unless we have knowledge. So truth perfects freedom mm-hmm. because freedom is really enslaved if it doesn't have the knowledge of the truth it's trying to choose. Freedom is enslaved if it does have the knowledge of the truth that's trying to choose. Okay. Okay. That, I'm so sure what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, if I don't tell you what A is or what B is, then you could make a choice, but it's not a free choice. Mm. It's a limited, ambiguous choice. Right. And then once you know what A is and once you know what B is, then your choice becomes free because you have the knowledge to, to make that choice. Right. And so then our, we have human, we have ability with our human reason to reach a certain level, you know, to gain certain knowledge, but is it going to be tainted by our experiences and our education and all of that? Yes. But then God gives us as a gift, divine reason. And so as this, you know, this light that illuminates even beyond human reason. So, if we are going to be fully free, then we need the truth that human reason can give us, mm-hmm. and we need the truth that divine reason gives us to reach complete freedom. What does fully free look like? I, I think fully free looks like fully grasping truth. Okay. And what is truth? You know, that brings us back to Pilate's question. What is truth? Is truth limited to what we know as humans? Is truth um, me as a lawyer trying to win a case and yay, I, you know, got this person off. So now that's the truth I was seeking. And and does it end there? Um, You know, in our professions, in our personal lives, we constantly seek a a human truth that... um, you know, coordinates with our human reason, but we seek beyond that, you know, going back to that idea that we wonder who we are, mm-hmm. like we wonder beyond just the human. We wonder to this, we transcendent reality of, I, you know, I feel like I'm starting to sound a little too philosophical, but <laughs> um, if we need, if we want to attain full truth, we really have to look to something beyond ourselves. So when God comes and says, I am the truth, I mean, that's, 
why would I want to attain full truth? Why can't I just, I think today in our society, I, I'm good. You know, there's a, there's a complacency. Like, eh, I just don't want to work for that. That just, yeah. uh, what's it? Why, why bother cameo? Why, why, why seek after full truth? What's the benefit in that? What's the, what's the payoff? Right. And if we, if we don't continue to seek, you know, if we don't continue to wonder, if we don't continue to strive, then we lose some of what it is to be human. You know, we talked about before that human nature continuously strives towards something and we're not going to be happy with what we're like, we might strive towards an education and then we receive it and we're still not complete. Mm-hmm. And we strive towards um, a family and we have one and we're still not complete. And we strive towards something else and something else. And ultimately we're striving for the um, most perfect, most present thing. And that is God, whether we call him God or we call him something else, we are striving for that ultimate reality. So, so part of how he's built us, if you are, it's hardwired into us. We are made to attain to full truth. Yeah. So if we stop short, if we settle, if we become complacent, um, we're frustrating ourselves. We're, we're like, um, a su- I, I saw a Maserati on the road the other day, Cameo. I've never okay. seen a Maserati in, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a Maserati. It says Maserati. I wouldn't have known. It said Maserati in the back. So if you have a high end, a high luxury car, sports car that sits in a storage compartment right. and never gets driven. Like that's frustrating. Like this, this is a, this is a, a, a highly engineered, um, meant to be driven well and quickly luxury or sports car. Right. But you've just put it in your storage and you never use it. Like there's something frustrating about that. Yeah. Similarly, you and I are created to know truth and know in its know it in its fullness. So if we stop short, we're kind of, it's kind of like putting the Maserati in the storage unit, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and going back to what we talked about too with, you know, intellect and will and passions, the highest power of our of who we are is our intellect. And so to reach our most full completeness, mm-hmm. we have to, it's going to be like a, a complete satisfaction of that intellect, which right. our intellect is going to search for truth in everything we do. So we need, a com- it's only going to be satisfied by complete truth. And, and with that, then what does freedom mean? Freedom means knowing and being able to choose that and, and to know the truth and choose it that's freedom and to know the highest truth and choose choose it it. to know God and choose him. And we won't know him completely, but to know him in the capacity that we're able and choose him. That's the highest freedom. Amen. So, um, the encyclical is Fides et Ratio by St. John Paul II. We've talked about in these last two episodes how, uh, just as a sort of an overview, a way to think about this encyclical and what it tells us, grace perfects nature Faith perfects reason. Faith perfects reason. Uh, and, and then what's what's the phrase here, cameo? Does truth perfect freedom? Yeah, I don't think John Paul II says it that way, but I'm you're going gonna, to make say him it. say okay. it that way. Oh, no. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm going to twist work. that a little that bit. That will work. You've, you know, you've been twisting him all day. There we go. 
All right. Thanks for being here, Cameo. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.